0: Hello, oh, and welcome to Fails, Falls, and Fuck Ups. Fails, falls, and falls. The show that bleeds for you so you don't have to. And joining me today is singer, songwriter, performer extraordinaire, Andrew Salgado. Andrew, how are you doing before I've gotten my hands on you?
1: <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I don't know how long I'll be doing good on the show, but I'm doing good.
0: If you go by average about five minutes,
1: five minutes. Okay.
0: Let's see if we can cut some of that time down. So you've been performing around you're on tour promoting your new album, mm-hmm. but that's where you've gotten to. We want to talk about how you got there, but not about just the successes along the way. Cause I'm sure you've had a lot of them. You're a very talented person, but we don't care about that. What <laughs> we care about are the mistakes, the scrapes, right. the pains, right? Andrew, looking back, what hurt you?
1: Oh, so many things. You don't have enough time in your show to talk about all of them. I mean, I've 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 trusted the wrong people. I've made a lot of just silly mistakes myself. I was on I was on a big interview. It was the first time in North Carolina, and uh, it was it was their major radio station, and I was told that it was being taped. So you know how you call in for for people who don't know. Whenever they tell you it's going to be taped, there's like a little pre-interview kind of just shoot the breeze and then and then they go okay we're going to do a countdown just like you did we're going to do a countdown and then we're going to do this and it was live and so and so I called in and they said who do we have here today and I'm like hey it's Andrew I called you know 10 minutes early um you know I'm here for like 9:15 or something whatever the case was and they were like oh Andrew Salgado all the way from you know and and, and they were going into the interview and because I had done so many that were, that were taped, I was in that mindset. So, so they were like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the album. And so I was like, yeah, we should do that. And, and, and I was, and I was just shooting the breeze, like what we were going to bring up live, you know, and they're like, okay, uh, what about, uh, you know, you're in town to put the pickle fest. Yeah. We definitely want to mention that. And, and, and it was a whole bunch, it was a whole bunch of stuff like that. And I didn't know it was live until they said, well, it's been fun having you for everyone listening. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God,
0: come see this piece of wood starring live <laughs> on stage where he'll stare at you for an hour and a half.
1: Right. My manager had this sign shit, and apparently she was showing it through through like the window of like, you're on the air. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just oblivious to the whole thing.
0: Earlier on, you had mentioned about starting out and trusting Mm -hmm. the wrong people. And I think, especially with the arts, because arts is such a personal individual thing that it's hard to get a business sense to start out with. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about some of the missteps along the way as you were just trying to get started.
1: Sure. It seems like like every four years, somebody tells me about the brand new social media thing that I got to do with my career and I got to devote all my time to that. I remember when someone was telling me about Vine and they're like, you six second videos, you got to go do it and just go do a whole bunch of stuff. And, and I, I wasted so much time doing that. And then Vine went away. And I remember someone telling me about MySpace, like you got to get on MySpace. And that's how you're going to grow your fans. And that's how you're going to do this. and You're going to do that. And it's kind of funny to see the ones that have like withstood the time, right? The YouTubes of the world and the Facebooks and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm not sure how many people use Facebook anymore anyways. But
0: I was going to ask, what was your Friendster
1: game like? My Friendster? I don't even, I, I didn't even know about that one. I've never heard that before.
0: You've never heard of Friendster? Oh, God. No. That was That was pre-MySpace. And that was oh, like God. the first one okay. to go away. So that would have been a hilarious joke yeah. had you known. But
1: I'll keep uh, it in anyway. I can, I, can, I can pretend really well. You know? I'm sure my Friendster would have been exactly like all the others. By the time I learned it, it's no longer useful.
0: So when you were doing Vines, did you find yourself going like, how do I distill my music into six friggin' seconds?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's... Um... I do stuff like that today. It's like, how do I make a 30-second TikTok that's going to make someone listen to the music, right? How do I? I kind of, I've gotten to the point in these last two months. And I don't know if that's why we have more streams in the last two months than we have in the last, like, 10 years. I don't know. But what I do know is I just stopped overthinking. Like, I just started, like, posting. I don't even know. Like, if you asked me what I posted last week from, you know, the stores that we visited and and, uh, the radio and the media and and the performances, I'd be like, I don't know. I took I took like a I took like a video six second clip whatever it was I just posted it. Here we are at the you know Chief Records. We were there two weeks ago. They gave me a shirt. I fell in love with wearing the shirt. Um and and I I posted a video when I was there signing a vinyl putting on a shelf. But a long long time ago, man, I would spend a lot of time just going like, okay, I'm gonna do like you know the beginning of the course here, and then you know maybe I should do this over here, and yeah, you know, maybe I should do this Halloween video on Vine because like there was a there was a night where like none of the kids came and so nobody you know we had all this candy so I was I just like poured it on myself trying to you know trying to do anything to get people to listen to the music and I I'm not someone who really enjoys attention I don't really go out a lot I'm I'm a very homebody kind of studio rat so it's very difficult for me to to do some of those TikTok things or Instagram things so I've just kind of fallen in love just like posting the music and I love shows more than anything. I mean, I love, I love being on stage. So posting an on-stage video for me, is just, that's, that's more fun than anything else. Well,
0: as long as you're touring, you're definitely generating a lot of content that you can be post up there that is yeah. organic. Yeah. For me, I doing the show where it's very much like you need to be on social media. You need to follow this formula. Right. And it's the same formula everybody gets. Yeah. Was there a break point in trying to work with it? to just being yourself, or do you still find yourself trying to work within the confines of whatever the current methodology is being pushed out there?
1: Prior to the pandemic, I was trying to think of all those things. You know, the pandemic kind of broke me in a way of just like, no, I don't have time to overthink. I'd rather spend my time trying to get another show. I'd rather spend my time writing another song. I'd rather spend my time even working out. I put on more weight than I'd like to admit during the pandemic. And, you know, just got into a very, I wouldn't say comfortable lifestyle because it was stressful, but a very sit on the couch and do everything lifestyle that's just not me. I love moving and kind of getting out there. And even during the pandemic, getting back to just playing some baseball. Very, very poorly because I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than I was uh, when I was 18, 19, 20 playing and, you know, still playing against some of that talent. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the break point for me was really, was really the pandemic. And then going into this new album... Uh, That was supposed to be in 2020 was more just like, no, we're not going to overthink. We're just going to do what we want to do. And we're going to we're going to we're going to get to these vinyl stores and we're going to make a vinyl because it was something I really wanted to do. And we're going to make it right. And even if it takes us an extra four months, we're going to do it correctly. Because I had done I had done stuff where, where, you know, know, we didn't we didn't do it the way that I wanted. And uh, why didn't you do it the way you wanted? I found myself trusting a lot of people that didn't really know what they were doing but said they knew what they were doing, which I think a lot of artists can probably all say, number one. And then you get someone that's like, well, I can, I, can, I can do your publishing. I know how to do that. I know how to set it up. I know how to do metadata. And it turns out, you know, five years later, none of it was done correctly. And it's all messed up. And we have to go redo it. And, and a lawyer's got to go in and re-kind of change everything up. So I think, I think going forward, it, it was more, more patience is really, really important. I just don't like wasting days. Like I don't, I don't care if it takes us five months to do something. I just don't want to waste one day doing it. If that makes any sense, that might not make a lot of sense, but.
0: Maybe what you're saying is the time isn't what matters to you. It's the quality and having it done correctly. And not
1: wasting, and not wasting time. I don't like just wasting, wasting a day. Even if we do one little thing that helps us achieve what the goal is, I'm fine with that.
0: How did you sharpen the skills that you could tell the difference? Because going back to being a young artist, you're just starting out. You have songs, you have a dream or desire. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, that's where it all dies because you you don't know how to move forward.
1: You wake up from the daydream.
0: (laughs) And then there's the reality of churning out the sausage that is the career. Right. How did you make the transition from being a boy with his guitar, a boy with a song to I'm a professional, I'm touring, I'm making music. I don't want to say on a production line, but there is a professional way of doing it where you're creating a product for sale mm-hmm. and for consumption. Yeah. How did you make that tradition and what were the lessons learned? I just
1: thought everything was, you know, going perfect. Because this is amazing. Everything was amazing, right? And then a large amount of credit card debt and you can't, you can't pay any bills and you're living out of your car for seven months and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, the daydreams kind of over and now I got to figure out how to like do this for real. And it was during that process that I kind of really figured out this is a business. It's just a very fortunate business. So, you know, you, you, you still have to switch hats. You have, you have the real creative hat mm-hmm. where you have to really dive deep into what you want to say and the emotions and, and, you know, what you're playing. And you, you still have to be conscious of a commercial aspect. So somebody would listen to it. But at the same time, then you have to flip it into just strictly business. I mean, I would love I would love to sell this vinyl cheaper, but there's a, there's a price point. And I didn't learn some of my mess ups because I know that's what the show is about. I'm trying to keep that in the back of my mind. It's, it's the first show I've ever done like this. We're, we're talking about more of the more of the failures and the successes. But one of the things that I really learned was selling T-shirts because I, I didn't even do the math. You know, people go on Shark Tank, like, what is your cost of goods? Like, I didn't know what my cost of goods was. I was like, right. it cost $200 for the shirts. I'm giving them away or I'm selling them for like 15 bucks. And the shirts actually ended up costing me like $20 and then like 25 with shipping. So I would, I would spend like two, 300 getting them and I'd lose money. Right. And then I would just order more. And after a while I went, why am I broke? we're selling t-shirts like crazy. And then I went, Oh, okay. I can't sell them for that. I have to go find them for cheaper. I can't make them from Hanes. Hanes was our, Hanes was our first t-shirt, I guess, manufacturer. And, uh, anyone can use them too. And, and they were, they were expensive. It was amazing shirts, you know, and it was funny too, as we switched to the less quality shirts, nobody wanted though, <laughs> And we couldn't order in large enough quantities to get the Hanes, um, you know, down now, now we don't even really sell shirts as much because we wanted to switch to something that wasn't going to be so difficult. Like, because we we never had the right size we needed. Whatever the person wanted, that was the size we were out of. And whatever they didn't want, we had like 15 or 20 shirts in that size. I was like, well, do, you know, do you want, do you want this? <laughs> you know? Can you eat a lot less for a few <laughs> weeks? Or can you eat a, or eat a lot more? I got you covered on either side. Right. But yeah, we don't have mediums, And then, and then we never had kid sizes too. So that was, it was just like, Oh, we, you know, you know, can they fit in a small? So then, so then we shifted, we shifted to a journal because I'm, I'm a songwriter and I love writing and I love writing in journals. I actually use my own journal a lot now, which is pretty cool. And that's one size. And we did the hats and that's one size. Right. And we did a, uh, Shot glass set, and that's one set. You know, not that kids can you know, buy the shot glasses, but it, it started to make things a little bit more simpler for us. So, so we didn't have to lose a sale, number one, and, and we didn't have to overthink and spend just a whole bunch of time doing things that isn't going to help us. I mean, right now we need to be getting on as much media and getting the music out there as much as possible, not, not ordering shirts and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. And I know a lot of bands have a lot of success with shirts, I don't, I don't know how they're doing it because the math just doesn't make sense for someone like me, but there must be a way that it makes sense for them. You know what's selling better than anything is the actual vinyl. And that was, and that was, that was something that kind of, like, really kind of surprised me, you know, because I come from the CD era. I don't know how old you are, but right. um, for me, like, I remember having, like, a tape player, and then very quickly it was, like, CDs, CDs. And I remember my cousin had, like, a you know, she folded down in her car.
0: One of those little things at the top of the car that you'd fold down the, uh, yeah. the, the, the shade and there would be like 10 CDs in there. Oh, more,
1: more than 10. And then she would like put like three CDs in like one slot or something. And, and, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing how people, how people say that, you know, texting is so distracting when they drive. Cause I remember watching somebody look up for a CD, and <laughs> like go through so many, you know, I think we've always been distracted, you know, driving and, you know, I, I never had anything like that because I would, like, fall in love with one CD. I, I don't know if you did this, but I would fall in love with one CD for, like, two, three weeks. Yes. And would just, like, listen to, like, all of those songs. And for me, the early Keith Urban albums in, in, the, in the early 2000s, I listened to those so much that I'm sure I've, I irritated many, many people uh, that happened to be in the car with me going, like, why are you listening to this again? And I was like, oh, no, I just, you know, I just love hearing it and, and you know, i want to listen to it again and again
0: just connecting to the vibe yeah i do that too since you are you've got a bit of this old school taste in music and whatnot you're,
1: if you're out there doing something no matter what it is no matter no matter the, the the angle all that kind of stuff i think if it's authentic to you it really really works you know for me i had to i had to really i had to really get to that point of like i'm not traditional country But I'm, I'm, I'm a little flavor of this little flavor of that, but it still is three chords in the truth. So there's still a country heart to it, but, but it's layered differently. And I had to, I had to get to that honest point on my own of being okay with doing it. And I was nervous. I was nervous doing this press tour. I was, I was extremely nervous uh, April 7th, the day before we started coming out and, and just going like, yeah, I hope everybody likes it. I hope there's, you know, 50%. I, I, I truly believe for something to be good, Half of the people have to not like it and half the people have to like it. Otherwise, it's not real. It's not real art. I don't think you're pushing it um, enough if everyone just likes it.
0: That goes back to the whole thing. Like, I want to write the songs that are truthful to me, but they have to be commercial because Mm -hmm. to be honest, I don't want to go back to working at Wawa or uh, 7-Eleven while playing on the weekends. And that requires a certain amount of writing for the audience. Yeah. When you're trying to balance out how you're writing your songs, do you ever have to find yourself maybe scrapping something because you've gone, okay, this is an authentic, in my trying to formulate this, this became empty to, this is not my voice.
1: Yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple songs on the other albums that were, that were like that. And I think, I think what I was really proud about with this album is I didn't have to do that once there were actually songs that we stopped recording because of that process and put other songs in. I mean, we had plenty of songs to choose from because we had two extra years to just write. And, and, and you know, we, we had released 86 Volume 1 in, in 2018 and in 2019 started writing the next one with the, with, the, with the plan of recording it in 2020. But because we got almost an extra, like, year and a half, I just continued to write. And so we had, we had plenty to kind of go, okay, this isn't what it needs to be. Let's just stop. Let's just can it. And let's let's try and record this one, and let's try and record this one. I think I think there were two songs on the album that weren't even on the original plan, and one was recorded the last day. The song called "Keep Coming Back," it was recorded the last day at two in the morning, and it was and it was recorded because me and my manager sat down and went, you know, this other song, it just it just doesn't work. Like like it worked when I wrote it, but somehow down the line here we kind of. I wouldn't say messed it up, but, but it just doesn't work anymore. And it doesn't work for me. And it's not really something I really want to put out and say and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, you know, can we, can we track one like this late? Like, you know, there's like, there's like, you know, eight hours left of the studio time that we have on here. And, and we just, and we just did it. And, so, and it's, it's one of my favorite songs on the album.
0: When you're making your music and you are recording and you're there mm-hmm. Clearly, you are a decision maker as to what goes on your album or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is it 100% you? Is it shared between you, producers, and your manager? Is there a, um, a, a brain trust that what is put on an album goes through?
1: Yeah, this last album, I got lucky because I actually was the producer for 13 tracks. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to fight with the artist and the, and, the, and the producer. But I had a really great engineer that I was able to throw stuff off of and get an honest opinion. At the end of the day, the decisions do, do come down to me, but you have to be really good at not always listening to yourself and really taking other people's um, feedback and their honest opinion. You know, At the end of the day, if you 1,000% believe something, well, then you have to go that way. But you have to be open enough to go, okay, let me, let me really listen to that. Let me, take, let me take 10 minutes. Let me take an hour. Let me sleep on it. Let me think about it. Whatever the case may be you have to do that because it can be pretty dangerous when you're the only one making the decisions and you can just find yourself, you know, going down lanes and then later going on, well, why did we, why did we do this? I was like, oh, well, this is what you wanted to do. We tried to, we tried to reel you into these other ideas and go, listen, that's not going to work how you think it's going to work. So, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a really good team around me that I trust, which is more important to me. So I, 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 I use it. I use it quite a lot.
0: Do you also go by consensus? Like, get a sampling like I made this and then you showed it to for a lack of a better way of phrasing it like yeah 15 of your friends and then kind of actually just
1: they all if they all like it it's I know it's not good hmm. because I know I know they're all they're also different with music taste so if I if I show something to my best friend Lewis of like 20 something years and I show something to my fiance and I show something to my manager and they all say the same thing it's not gonna work But if some of them really love it and some of them are like, it's good, but that's not my really kind of thing then I know that I'm that I'm, I'm closer to what I want to do because early on everybody loved everything and nothing worked because they were being nice. Right. You know, you get that, you get that early on where it's like, Oh, this is fantastic.
0: Andrew, you're doing such a wonderful
1: job. You are so talented. Andrew, you're so talented. Right. I know. And of course, nobody's honest to you. Right. So I have, I have about like, I would say about 10, 15, just truly, truly honest people. Like my mother is the, is my mom. When, when, when she listened to my first album, she was like, "That's some good songs. Some, some I won't listen to. And when I, and when I played her the second album, she was like, oh, these are, these are really, really good songs. And I went, well, don't I always write good songs? She goes, No. Most times, most times you write a couple really, really good ones and then some crap. But most of these are good. And then when I played this last album, you know, she cried a couple of times, and I was like, "So what does this mean?" She's like, "No, this is really, really good." And and I can't find a bad song. And it's weird. I've heard that. I've heard that from some people. And so it's nice. It's nice. We have heard the other side of that, which which I was actually hoping to, you know, to hear because it's impossible when you have music and it and it moves people so much for it not to be. Subjective. It has to be subjective. You know, it can't work for everybody. My, my love stories and, and, and my failures and my successes cannot be everybody's story. You know, it has to, it has to find that audience that, that really resonates with that.
0: Well, that is certainly true. <clears throat> so now what I would like you to do is I would like you to put on your mentor hat, <laughs> though, just put it on top of the one you're wearing right now. And uh, there we go. Talk back into the past to. The musician just starting out. Yeah. What would you advise them to do and what would you advise them not to do?
1: Number one, stay in pharmacy.
0: All the drugs you need will be there <laughs> number, when you need them.
1: Number <laughs> number two, trust yourself more uh, and, and don't, Jesus Christ, don't overthink. Work with people who are good people. I would, I would much rather struggle in this industry with good people than struggle with just bad people and, and you know people that you just don't want to associate with. So it's okay to struggle. That's, I mean, that, that probably, joking aside, the biggest thing that I would go back and tell myself is you're going to struggle. It's okay to struggle. You're gonna learn from the struggle. It's gonna make you so much better, but do it with people that you are just proud to stand next to.
0: And how did you learn to identify those people?
1: Oh, they just identified themselves to me. <laughs> you just, you, know, you spend a lot of time with people. You really learn who they are. Th- that there are a lot of people in this industry that have a lot of knowledge. And there are people in this industry who have a lot of heart. And if you can find a couple of people that have both of it, that's extremely rare. And you kind of hold on to those people. So I'm very proud that, you know, the people that I have now have both, you know, it's a very political answer.
0: <laughs> it, it, it very, very much. So is you've offended nobody. Right. Though what I would ask this, sure. a follow-up to that we've now established to this young artist person, you know, you can find the people they can with knowledge How would you get their interest?
1: Oh, the people, the people to work with?
0: Yes. What would be something that you did or said that attracted someone's attention? So they'd be like, Oh, this guy's serious. This guy is worth talking to. Do you have advice along those lines?
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say people, people always find you. I would tell that to anybody right now, go do your thing, do what you want to do. Do it the way you want to do it. Because if you're not leading the ship, nobody can get on board. You know, you can't you can't just kind of sit on the sidelines and, and think someone's going to come to you with a ship and go hop on. I'm going to take you everywhere you want to go that I've I've kind of learned that that's really not how it works. And and also be patient just because someone says they want to hop on doesn't mean that you need to let them. You need to take some time and go, OK, well, let's um, let's talk for a little bit. I was so eager to just jump on the boat, man, that I, I mean, I did it in seconds. It was like, what? You want to work with me? This person wants to work with this person. Let's just go. This is amazing. This is, this is incredible. I can't believe my life has changed. Now, kind of looking back, like, the biggest thing is, is um, you need to know where you're going, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. And people will, will find you. And it might not be a lot. So just you know, just continue to do it. Just continue to do it. There's a lot of people who need to make money in this industry, and they will find someone to make money with, you know, that's the way that they stay in the industry. And also there are a lot of times too, where as I've gotten older, I've seen younger writers that I think are just fantastic that I think are going to do something one day. So I'll just reach out and go, Hey, I'd love to write with you because I think you're going to do something. And I've been really, really honest with those people too, telling them, I think, I think you've got a lot of talent. And I didn't necessarily do that when I, was, when I was younger. I just wrote with anybody at any time. I was like, you want to write, you want to write, you want to write, you want to write. You know, sometimes I didn't even look up what they had done. I was just randomly going and writing going, I want to write a song because I want to get a cut and I want to get a deal and, I, you know, this and that. And that wasn't really the right approach for me personally. It was, it was more I needed to really listen and go, hey, I love what you do. And because I listen to what you're doing and all this other stuff, like this is what I can bring to the table.
0: Great, great. So now I would like to give you the opportunity to, you've mentioned it a couple times, but plug yourself. <laughs> Where? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? How can people get involved with doing it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, AndrewSalgado.net, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I'm so good at those things, like I talked about before. Uh, at, Andrew, at Andrew, Salgado, S-A-L-G-A-D-O. We're gonna be in Texas, I think, an- another week. I don't know when this is gonna air, but we're gonna be here until the 27th. Uh, and then we're gonna start touring with the full band. I think like July, August, kind of like late summer, early early fall. And you know, hopefully we don't stop. You know, we don't always meet the goals, but the goal is to really tour a lot because we haven't really done anything since 2019.
0: There he goes, a true troubadour of the American experience. Was there a question I should have asked Andrew but didn't? If so, drop it in the comments, and I will be sure to get Andrew to drop a little more rhythm onto your blues. As for me. Follow me on all the socials. Next week, I am joined by Jim Meskimen, voice actor extraordinaire, an incredible impressionist, and a man who found his voice after a few very critical mistakes. I, I just sort of, uh, I, I flinched. I flinched, and I, even though I had this great offer, I just I, there was another offer on the table.